we this morning are going to talk about Second Peter, the third chapter. That's 18 verses. So, <laughs> Pastor Kenny, you've never been able to do 18 verses in just one sermon. <laughs> We'd be glad if you do two or three verses. Um, but some of what Peter is talking about here in Second Peter chapter 3 is uh, he's, he's giving us some warnings. He is reminding us of some things. So there's not a lot of uh, doctrine, per se, to dig into. But he is warning us in the end time some of the things that are going to happen and that how we should walk and some of the things that are going to happen to the unbelievers and so on and so forth. And, and, and uh, so um, sometimes people, when you warn them, they think you are being negative. No, 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 no. No. When I tell my child not to, not to touch the hot oven, this is not negative. This is quite positive. <laughs> it would be negative if I told him, go ahead, touch the oven. That would be negative. So sometimes in English or in any language, when the construction of the sentence is negative, the meaning might be quite positive. Right? So uh, my sons, they were going to go bungee jumping. And I told them, as I was talking to a, a brain surgeon who had done plenty of these guys that bungee jumped, and he was doing brain surgery on them, uh, I told him, sons, do this for me. Don't do it. It was not negative. <laughs> I wanted to save a couple of lives. <laughs> these are my dear sons. So, so when Peter is giving us warnings and, and these type of things, this is not a negative thing. This is quite a positive thing. That we as believers should be aware of so that we might walk circumspectly before the Lord. Are you with me? Okay. I didn't get an answer, but that's all right. I, you, you, you're with me. I, I, I trust that you are. So the, the title of the sermon is, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. So we'll, we'll just go through the scriptures as they appear on the screen. And then we'll comment on them. Some of them we'll, we'll talk a little bit longer. Some of them we just explain a little bit. And then we move on. We have 18 verses to cover. Okay? So I'm not racing. I'm not hurrying. But I don't want us to park too long anywhere. Okay? So here we go. First Peter, the third chapter. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. He, 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 he is talking to his beloved. He is not getting on their case. He is just telling them some things that are going to happen in the end times. And, and, and rightly so because we need to know these things so that we can be ready and prepared. Uh, later on, as we have already talked about in the past, is that, that his second coming will be like a thief in the night. And when a thief in the night comes... Some people are prepared. Some people are not prepared. Okay? You don't know when he's coming, but you can be prepared. You don't know when the Lord is coming, but you can be prepared. So though he comes as a thief in the night, some people are going to be prepared, and somebody, some people are going to be simply overtaken by all the events that are happening. So as we read the scriptures and understand them, and putting them in our hearts and our minds, then we get more prepared for what is coming. 
Ah, this is what the Lord has spoken about. This is what Peter had spoken about. This is what the Apostle Paul had spoken about that is going to happen in the end times. And then we can make the steps that we need to take to, 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 to encourage brothers and sisters, to help people that otherwise uh, be in, in, in panic and, and these type of modes. So he says, I write to you this second epistle. This is Second Peter. He had already written a letter to them. So I like Peter a lot because I repeat a lot. And repeat is good. Yes? Repeat is good. That's how you get it. How, that's how you remember it. Uh, if you, you know, in school I had to uh, say a poem in front of the classroom. And when you say a poem in the shower, it's one thing. When you say a poem in front of the classroom, that's a whole other thing. You're a lot more nervous in front of a classroom. Uh, and I, re- I had to repeat that over and over and over and over again to be able to do it. I, I memorize scripture. Now, for you, it might be very easy to memorize scripture. For me, it is labor. <laughs> labor. Not because I don't like scripture. I love scripture. But because my memory is not as good as some of y'all's. So, and, and, but Peter says here, hey, I'm stirring your heart to remind you of some things. I'm stirring your heart to remind you of some things. Uh, by way of reminder, he says. I repeat myself. I wrote a second letter. Part of which is to remind you of the things that we talked about before. So, don't get weary of reminders. They're good. Um, They're good. Sybil is a good reminder. My wife is a good reminder. She reminds me of things. Uh, and it is, it is always good because I have forgotten some things that were not good. Uh, and then she had to bail me out, not out of prison or jail, whatever. <laughs> honey, I, honey, I forgot the keys as I'm on the tennis courts and, and, and don't have the keys to the tennis balls. <laughs> Would you bring them to me? So now when she says, honey, do you have your keys? I'm glad she reminds me. <laughs> I don't have to be late. I, I, you know, I can ready get to the balls, and I don't have to put her out to drive over to, to bring the keys to me. Uh, verse 2. And that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of, of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And the Lord and Savior. He says, I, I, I remind you of the, of the things that the holy prophets have spoken, that in the end times, such and such is going to happen. You're going to have false prophets, false teachers, that will try to sway you from the faith. There'll be some tough times that will be coming our way because of that. And uh, we need to be ones that encourage our brothers and sisters in, the, in these difficult times. And they will be plenty difficult. Here in America, it is not that difficult yet. It's coming. Uh, but in other countries, they burn your church, they burn your homes, they behead people, and these type of things. And, and, and so we're not there. But I, people will need a lot of encouragement in the end times. Does that make sense? Okay. And I, and I for one, want us to be encouragers rather than those who beg for encouragement. So he goes on with verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, 
walking according to their own, to their own lusts. So there be scoffers, mockers, people that make fun of what you believe. And people that make fun of what the scriptures say. What the word of God says. You know people like that? Oh, I have, some of them are bullies. Some of them are just jokers. They don't know any better. They think they know it better. Some people think they know it better than God. <laughs> I have a discussion with somebody. And they say, well, I don't believe that. I believe this and this. So I say, well. Where do you get that? Well, that's what I think. I say, well, if you don't mind, I'll I, I, I take what the Bible thinks over what you think. Is that, is that okay with you? All right? Because what you think, you, you haven't even read it anywhere. You just think it. You, you just made it up. And, and you think that you're smart enough to outthink God? Or outthink the Bible? Okay, for, forget about God. I'll think a book that has survived millennia. <laughs> okay, at least think about it. At least take it and think about it. But there'll be scoffers that will make fun of you. They will laugh at you. They come and make fun of you. They make fun of your children. And they are simply, he says, walking according to their their lower nature, their evil desires, their own lusts, their lives are dictated by what they want to do. Amen. Forget about what God wants them to do. Forget about what is good for other people. They are dictated their lives by what they want to do. Verse 4 says this. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. We're going to combine 4, 5, and 6 together-ish, and, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. 5 says this. So remember, where is this coming? For this, they willfully forget, that by the word of God, they willfully forget. Some of them could know about it, but they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Verse 6 says this, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. So they're saying, where is his coming? Where is it? And they willfully forget that the, the world was formed by the word of God. And they're just wondering, hey, nothing has really changed all that much. Where is his coming? Except for the flood that flooded the whole place, nothing much has changed. Where is this coming? And the word coming over here has not to do with the rapture, but it has to do with his second coming uh, during the thousand-year reign here on earth, is what this speaks of. Uh, the millennium, after which will be the judgment, as we'll find out in just a, li a little bit. So... Uh, where is this coming? Huh? Well, that, he's talking about that. He's talking about that, yes. He's talking about that the flood, the flood perished the whole thing. Yes, except for eight people. And uh, so they are saying, making sort of fun, they are saying, uh, 
Where is this coming? Later on, uh, Peter gives us a little more uh, a specific answer. But, uh, uh, and, uh, but where, where is this coming? What, what, what's he up to? Where is he coming? Are you guys, <laughs> you believe something? <laughs> where is he coming? Mockers, scoffers, laughing at you. And Peter's defending that point. He's defending those mockers in advance. They'd be mockers and they'd be asking you questions. And he's giving us the answer in advance so that we have an answer for them when they mock us. And, okay, so then let's look at verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, the word of God, by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, so now he's, he, he's telling us that the same God, by his word, has now stored up fire. <laughs> and that fire, oh, you're fireman, so <laughs> you, might, you might relate. <laughs> this fire you cannot put out, my friend. Uh, and he says, the tense of this fire is that it is in the past has been stored away and is guarded with the result that it has, it is still there in the present time. Okay? Some things happened in the, in the past and that's what happened and there's no results visible now. Okay? Uh, God saved us. This is, a, this is a, not that example, but this is the example of when something has happened in the past with still present results. God has saved us. How many years ago, brother? 40, 40 some, some years ago. Is it 40 some or is it 40? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say 40, bro. I give you a little credit over that. Um, so 40 years ago, Joe was saved with the result that in the present time he's still saved. Yes? So this is what it's saying over here. That fire has been stored by God, packed with a present result that it is still there, waiting for the day to be released. Yeah, lots of fire. We'll, 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 and and it it is reserved until the day of judgment and perdition Judgment and perdition, the demise of ungodly folk. People who don't give God the awe that he deserves. That's the literal translation. Actually, one of your translations might read like that. Verse 8. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day, it's a thousand years. It's as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Let's look at nine also at the same time. Combine them just a little bit. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can you go back to eight? But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that a thousand years is as one 
and one as a thousand, or vice versa. So, then in the next verse 9, it talks about that God is long-suffering, that he's very patient. So, when God has no problem, that is what Peter is saying over here, God has no problem waiting for a thousand years. Because for him, that's just tomorrow. Are you with me? Somebody, somebody asked God one time, he asked, God, isn't a million dollars just like one dollar with you? And one dollar like a million dollars? God said to him, yeah. And isn't it true that one day is like a thousand years? And a thousand years is like one day? Yes. And he says, well, could you give me a million dollars? And God said, tomorrow. (laughs) So God has no problem. That is what Peter is explaining over here. To wait a thousand years just so that more people have the opportunity to be saved. When it says that the word slack, it actually, if your translation might read maybe like tardy, late. Huh? Uh, delay or slow, exactly. Those type of things. God is never late. He's not going to be early. He's not going to be late. He's going to be right on time. There's a song that goes like, God is an on-time God. <laughs> he is on time. You don't have to worry that he's going to come early to cut somebody out of salvation or whatever. He is going to wait and give opportunity. Never will anybody be able to say about God that he didn't give you opportunity to get saved. Oh, he came too quick. Oh, really? They're saying, where is he? He wants to give us ample He is not willing that any should perish. Are many going to perish? Plenty are going to perish. Because they don't want to acknowledge God as God. They think they know it better. And so, good luck, my friend. If you think you know it better than God. But he's not willing that any should perish. So therefore, he wants to give as great an opportunity as possible for you to get saved. I am so glad he waited for me. I was one hard nut to crack. See, that's why I have no problems with with youth. So now I'm walking toward the youth a little bit here. (laughs) Somebody's saying, oh, no. (laughs) That is why I want you to know where I'm coming from. A thousand years, one year, whatever. (laughs) You're all youth. You're all youth. (laughs) Um, That's why I have no problem when young people are struggling with their faith. I don't want them to stand on their parents' faith. I don't want them to stand on their pastor's faith. I want them to go to the struggle and answer the questions. Find the answers. Boom! And be able to stand on their own faith. Amen. And my dear brothers and sisters, when I started, when God saved me, 
He saved me. I was a hard nut to crack. I had tons of questions. And I was not the, the, the type of guy that took easy answers and just, oh, well, so and so sad, so it must be true. No, no, no. I want to know, is it true or is it not true? And if it's true, then I, I ought to take it and live, live with it and live by it. So, uh, verse 10. Am I running out of time? I'm, I'm still pretty, pretty good. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That fire that was stored up, it's showing up right here. Okay? Fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So, by the end of, by, by, but the day of the Lord will come. At the end of the thousand years, at the end of the millennium, the day of the Lord appears. At that point, there will be judgment for, for people. People that laughed and put their fist in the face of God and, and just belittled him, whatever it may be. So, is this a negative message? I don't think so. My dear brothers and sisters, if you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you. I, 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 I wear size 10 and a half. This is a ten and a half. It fits me. If, if the message fits you, take it. God has seen fit to talk to you personally today. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever talked personally to the mayor of the city? I've been friends with a couple of them. So, but you don't get to talk to the mayor of the city anytime you want to. There's a protocol to follow to be able to talk to the mayor. That is, if the mayor will even talk to you. <laughs> but here, God says, I am going to talk to you this morning. You, in particular. If the shoe fits, don't be upset because the shoe fits. Be glad that the shoe fits. That's why he went to the shoe store in the first place. <laughs> hey, this one fits. Oh, I, 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 you know, most people, they, 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 they fit the shoe and they say, oh, this, one, this shoe is for Doyle. No, it fits you. <laughs> so, uh, but so he says, at the end of the thousand years, there'll be, the Lord will be coming as a thief in the night. You don't know when he's coming, but he's coming. For some, it is going to be one complete surprise. For others, this is not going to be a surprise. The only surprise it will be is that you didn't know that he was coming at that time. But you knew he was coming. But you didn't know when exactly. So when the time is there, poof, you're ready to go. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo. Yes. And verse 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons are you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So he's asking uh, basically a rhetorical question. He's talking to the Christian folks, the people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and saying, when, when you know that these type of things are going to happen, should you not live in a godly way? 
Because, my dear brothers and sisters, if you don't live in a godly way, you'll be unprepared. And it is coming. I'm not saying it's coming tomorrow. I don't know when it is coming. Like a thief in the night. But if you're prepared, you won't be taken completely overwhelmed. You'll be expecting it. So when it is there, you recognize it. Ah, this is what the Lord was talking about when he, when he, when he, uh, when Peter wrote, the apostle Peter wrote about it, and when the apostle Paul wrote about it. Verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. He's going, he is actually expanding verse 11, and he says, this is the way you should be living, knowing that this stuff is coming, coming pretty soon. Verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. A new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's what we are looking for. That is what the Apostle Peter is saying. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. There comes a time where you don't have to Deal with unrighteousness. 14 says this. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. Uh, he is not, I believe, saying to look forward to all this stuff to burn up. He's not saying that. He's looking forward. He says, look forward to the new heaven and new earth where only righteousness dwells. Nobody is happy or should be happy when things burn. Some of your friends might burn. I don't know. So nobody's happy for that. But he's not saying that, I believe. He's saying, look forward to that place, the new heaven and the new earth, where only righteousness dwells. And he says, and that you might be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. So that when he comes, and all this stuff happens, and he sees Oscar, he says, Man of peace, without spot, blameless. I'll have a few spots, but he has no spots. Blameless. 15. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. This is what he has long-suffering for. Is that it might, uh, uh, salvation might be the reality of his long-suffering. That's why he's waiting. That's why he's giving us more time. If there was no more time needed, why would he wait? <laughs> he's waiting to give us more time. Can somebody, you know, uh, Becca, Becca, is, she, she, she's preparing for the lunch for us. Uh, 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 she's one of our, she's a hostess with Joe, so she's gone. But Becca was glad that the Lord waited because 
a week or maybe two weeks ago, whenever it was, not very long ago, her mom and dad both got saved. Was she, praise the Lord. Was she glad the Lord waited? I'm so glad he waits. Okay, then he goes on. And consider the long suffering. Oh, sorry, sorry, 15. And consider the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Paul has written some stuff to you. In a little while he says, well, Paul is a little bit, uh, Paul's a little bit more difficult to understand. But nevertheless, he reminded you of these things as well as he wrote to you. Uh, given the wisdom by, by the Lord. So 16 then says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things that are hard to understand. Yeah, Paul, you know, Paul sometimes is a little bit hard to understand. Do you, you, you agree with that? I find him sometimes a little bit redundant. Uh, but it is good that it's redundant, because in redundance is where I understand it better. <laughs> It's like my mom, when she told me not to do something, I wish sometimes she had been more redundant. <laughs> she said it one time. Now, how about if she said it three times to me? Then I wouldn't have the excuse, well, I, I didn't quite understand, mom, what you were saying. <laughs> so Paul being redundant, we don't have the excuse that, okay, we, we didn't understand what he was saying. We, 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 he, he told us plenty of of, of times about it. Uh, but even those things, speak of these things in which were hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. So the same, the, the very things that Paul is speaking of, the very things that Paul is writing, the unstable people, they even twist that. But to their own peril. To their own demise. But later on, in just a little bit, he's going to tell us, don't, don't be swayed by those things, by those people. They're just twisting it. Verse 17. Maybe it's in, I think it's in 17. Ye therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware. Lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. It's not, that's, this is not salvation, right? This is, <clears throat> you are a steadfast person. And somebody talks you about your steadfast, talk you out of your steadfastness. Now you become a little bit wishy-washy. You know people like that? Are you sometimes finding yourself in that situation? Not necessarily because somebody talked you out of it. It might very well be that somebody talked to you and you're thinking, huh. I wonder if they are right. I told you about the story. Let me see what time it is. Okay. I told, I told you about the story of a, a discussion I had with a, a gentleman. He called himself a physician, atheist, scientist. And in our discussion uh, about faith and Christianity and these stuff. He says, the problem with you Christians is, it is only by faith. But with me, it's all about facts. Huh. I said, well, interesting, sir. I, I, I'm wondering, do you believe in God? 
He says, absolutely not. I say, wow, that certainly is an unscientific statement for somebody who claims to be a scientist. Because you haven't died to see if God, if there is a God or not, and come back to be able to tell me that there is not a God. Uh, uh, so you, this is, is it, you said this by faith. This is just your belief system. That's why you say there is no God. You have no proof. He says, but you can prove that there is a God. I'm not claiming to be the scientist, okay? But if you want to know what some of my beliefs are based on besides the word of God, is that who, who brings the seasons? Who brings the wind? Where is it coming from? Who brings the growth? Who, who, who makes all this? Who keeps it all in place? If the sun comes any closer, we all fry. If the sun goes further away, we all freeze. So I told him, I said, sir, that big bang theory that you were talking about, I have a hanky over here. I'll make you a deal. The Big Bang, I'll toss up my hanky in the air. If it comes back as a T-shirt, I'll go with your Big Bang. <laughs> he didn't kick me out of his house. I'm glad. So he says, beware. Let's you are steady. You're steadfast. Beware some of those smooth talkers, those mockers, those scoffers. They, beware so you don't be talked out of it. Being led away with the error of the wicked. And then 18 is the last verse. Somebody said, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. But grow in grace. We've talked a lot about grace. I, and so we're not going to talk a, a lot about grace. Grow in grace. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about the idea that the Christian walk is a journey. So grow in grace. Uh, if you find yourself at one place and you want to be at another place, don't worry. God is going to take you over there. Okay? Just don't, just don't let anybody talk you out of it, like it said in verse 17. Your steadfastness, let him not, it will set you back. Stay with God. He's going to take you there. You read the scriptures and think, I cannot do that. You're right, you cannot do that. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. And God is committed to you. He's never asking you to do it on your own. He's committed to you. Uh, so grow in grace. If there is any place where I think that we ought to grow as Christians, it is in grace. I agree with Peter. It doesn't matter if I agree or not, but <laughs> I agree with him. Grow in grace. As Christians, folks, we, we, we need to be a lot more gracious in every way. In the way we deal with people, in the, the way we talk with people, in the way we posture with people, and, and, and so across the board, we need to be, show more grace. Uh, to people. Grace. And the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, this is, this is, uh, I wish I had a little bit more time or whatever, but let me just, just put my toe in the water. Uh, because it speaks here not about head knowledge. 
as Christians, we're so interested in head knowledge. We say we're interested, and we don't read the scriptures like we should, and then so we, there's no head knowledge. But, so, but the people that have head knowledge, they, 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 they like that they have the head knowledge because they look very impressive to people. I'm not impressed by head knowledge. I, I'm impressed how people walk, how they walk with God, how they are an example to other people. That is what I'm impressed with. Uh, so this is not about head knowledge. This is about experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge. So let me take you to a place, and then, then, we're, then, then we're done. Maybe some other time we can talk about it some more. You know that Jesus was on earth about 2,000 years ago. Yes? Do you realize that when he was here on earth, it was the lower, lowest form that he was ever going to be in yes. as a human being? Yes? yes? Okay. So, then he was raised from the dead. Then Paul met him on the road, of the, road to, to Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, Paul saw the glorious one that confront, confronted him. Yes? So when I read that we should grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thinking that God has in mind not only that we know more about him in reading the scriptures and find out who he is and what he's like from reading the scriptures, but that he wants us to commune with the glorious one, the one that is not limited to one place, not the one with the beard and the sandals. I said beard. Somebody says you said beer and sandals. He didn't drink, drink beer. <laughs> the one with the beard and the sandals and the long hair and the robe, okay, was glorious as it was. But he is in a more glorious state now. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Is that scripture? Okay. The resurrected one, the glorious one. I believe that the Father would have us commune with him more. To know him more. There was a discussion. Some people didn't think that Paul was an apostle. Am I not an apostle, he says. Because their thinking was that Paul hadn't seen Jesus in, you know, while he was on earth. For you to be an apostle, you should have seen the Savior while he was on earth. It's like, to me, Paul is saying... You guys, when you pray to Jesus, you see the one with the beard and the sandals. When I pray to Jesus, I see the glorious one. Only the glorious one. This is the one that I believe that the Father wants us to commune with more. The glorious one. As the scriptures point us not only to the one that was here 2,000 years ago. And the one that was here before he came 2,000 years ago. The, 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 what is not here? the one that was there in glory before he came. And returned back to glory after he was raised from the dead. To him be glory 
both now and forever. Amen.